I got to tell you that this first week has got to be the best week of prayer and fasting that I have seen in the church for the last decade that I've been in, in, in ministry here as a pastor. I mean, just uh, um, at least maybe because we're more connected. I don't know what, but um, it's just been incredible the kind of responses and the kind of commitment and uh, resolve that people have had to fast throughout these, uh, throughout these days. Just, just to share several things with you, there's at least 60 people who are engaged in a 21-day devotional right now. And they're reading it every day and they're leaving notes about, you know, how God is speaking in their lives. And it's really encouraging stuff. I'm reading that every morning and it's like, man, it's blowing me away how God is speaking to the people of the body. We know that we have a clear 100 people who are engaging in 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I, I, that's incredible. That's incredible. And so just excited about it. The, the Monday night prayer at 6 p.m. and the study at 6 p.m. in prayer um, at 7 it was so well attended. And people were just fired up about that. And there's also just testimonies that are already coming up. Somebody just called me and said, I, I was about to go to my job and tell them that, you know, I needed to resign because I can't be on the road anymore. And I, as I walked into the office, before I said a word, my boss said, you know, I need to, uh, we don't need that many drivers anymore. I'm going to need to put you at a job where you, you're in the office and not having to drive. And so, <laughs> you know, God is answering prayers, right? We're thankful for that. And so there's a sense that God is doing something very special. And when that happens, those are Selah moments. You ever read the Psalms and you find that word Selah? You know, it's time to meditate. Meditate and think on these things is what, uh, what that means. There are times like this where it's good to sit down and soak in what God's doing. Because sometimes we could just get busy doing and miss the moment of what God's doing in His presence. So last week, as we talked about prayer and fasting, we, I shared with you several reasons why we're called to fasting. And uh, here are the reasons, and then we're going to dive into the scripture for today. Number one, because we want to be controlled by God and not our appetites. And whether it be food or whether it be uh, whatever it is, we want to live our lives controlled by God and not our appetites. Number two, we want to engage in the process of transformation. God wants to transform us, but it's not going to happen with us just sitting here, right? Just, okay, God, I'm waiting, right? God is calling us to be a part of his transformation process. Three, to keep our passion for God alive. Prayer and fasting is necessary because it helps us to keep our passion, our excitement for the Lord alive. Four, to welcome God's move in our lives. And we said we're a people called to depend on God. We need the supernatural work of God. And, and five, to welcome revival in our land. It's not, about, it's not just about us. It's about the kingdom of God here in our city, in our community, in our lives, in our family. Right? So today, we will continue to dive into the scripture and see why it's so vital and beneficial for us to pray and fast and to live lives of prayer and fasting, not just 21 days at the beginning of the year, but to seek the Lord and say, Lord, what are the days throughout the years that I'm supposed to set aside for fasting? And, you know, what is my how, how am I going to grow in my prayer life throughout this year? Wherever we may be in, in our prayer life, we're all called to grow in it. And so uh, we're going to look at the book of Daniel and look at some key scriptures there that, that tell us about the benefits of prayer and fasting. If you go with me to Daniel chapter 1, I'm going to pick up there, verse 1. We're going to read through 21, and it reads this way. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, 
Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into, the hand, into his hands with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenath, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youth without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that, uh, they were to stand before the king. And among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youth who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to, to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youth who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in, the, in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youth who ate, than all the, youth who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youth, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. That means three, uh, at least three successions of kings. He was there from his youth, clearly, uh, at the very least, late into his 70s. And so throughout, um, which probably 80s and 90s, um, throughout the 60 years of Judah's, of Judah's um, um, the deportation and being taken over by captivity, uh, he was there serving. So let's pray as we dive into the scripture. Lord, I'm, I'm just glad to be a part of what you're doing. This is your work. Today, as we dive in your word, I, I pray for an anointing, not only to preach it, but to receive it, that all of us would receive it, walk in it, Lord God. Reveal your truth to us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in context, what are we looking at here? Remember that Israel was one nation, and Israel had a king 
named, uh, named Solomon, right? And Solomon uh, was a man that was given great wisdom from God, but he turned away from God in all his wisdom and in all his knowledge. And one of his sons, his son that succeeded him was Rehoboam. And Rehoboam decided to be even more strict than Solomon among the people, and it split the kingdom in half. Then Israel became Israel and Judah, two different kingdoms. Israel was taken over by the Assyrians, and now Judah, after a long period of sin and not responding to God in his grace, Judah was taken over or held captive by Babylon. Babylon besieged it, and Babylon was ruled by Nebuchadnezzar at the time, and he was a very wise king. Uh, what he would do is that when he would take over territories or when, when he would take over kingdoms or lands, he would then take the best of the people of the land and he would retrain them. He would reprogram them or brainwash them in order to serve him. And, you know, it wasn't like a, you know, like a, um, like a forced thing per se or, or something where they suffered a lot, but rather part of it was the king saying, if you serve me, like, this is what you get. You get the king's food. You get the best the world has to offer. And in doing so, he was persuading the best of the different nations to lead their nations to serve Nebuchadnezzar, not only by, by fear, but also by influence, right? So that was the plan of Nebuchadnezzar. And so here uh, is uh, Judah in a state of utter hopelessness, held captive by Babylon, and the only hope that they would have would be the promise of the Lord through the prophets. Because through the prophet Jeremiah, God already spoke and said, I'm going to take you out of this captivity. God already revealed that. But we know that the people of Judah were deaf and blind to that reality because they had been disobedient to God for so long. And, you know, in the midst of the despair, in the midst of the present captivity, I can imagine that I will have a hard time thinking about being free one day, right? And so you got that reality in place, and then you got the truth about everywhere where you see wickedness today. And that is this, in the midst of wickedness, in the midst of evil, in the midst of dark times, God is still moving and God still has people. God still has people. People that he's favoring, people that he is using, people who are faithful to him. And that's Daniel, Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah who were faithful to God. And we hear their stories in the book of Daniel and gain some insight in regards to a life of prayer and fasting. And really, they, le they lived a life of prayer and fasting before the Lord. And here are some things that we need to see here um, out of the scripture that we just read and some that we'll dive into later. Here are some things that we need to understand about prayer and fasting that I believe the book of Daniel relates to us. Number one, when we commit ourselves... When we commit ourselves to a life of prayer and fasting and dedication unto the Lord, God strengthens our resolve. Okay? God strengthens our resolve. The entire book of Daniel, I believe, is, is it's founded on one verse. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. What is that verse? And Daniel resolved his mind not to defile himself with the things of this world. And because that young man made up his mind Right? He made up his mind to commit to the Lord and not to defile himself with the meat and the things that were offered to idols and not to be worldly because he made up his mind, right? We, we got the entire, him and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we got the entire book. And we see how that all unfolded. And I believe 
I believe that they had that resolve because they were serving the, the Lord and they, because they had already lived a life of prayer and fasting before God. And so you got here to God strengthen their resolve. And you see it throughout the entire book. Daniel could have enjoyed the best the world had to offer. Daniel could have made reasonable excuses for complying. Could have said, well, you know, the Lord got us captive here in Babylon. Might as well eat this. You know, it's the plan of God. Well, I should just coast. I should just accept this. It's going to be a blessing. It's going to benefit me if I benefit from what the king has to offer me. Daniel could have been secretive about his prayer life. Remember that there was a time where uh, those who were under the king uh, said to the king, nobody should pray to anyone but you, King Cyrus, and if anyone prays to anyone but you, they should, there should be some harsh judgment. And what did Daniel do? Did he say, well, let me keep my prayer life secret so that people won't know. Let me keep my witness at work secret so that they don't know that I don't, that so, so that they won't know that I'm a Christian, right? That's not what, uh, that's not what Daniel did. Daniel opened the windows to his room and he continued to pray three times a day, the Bible says, right? He was willing to face whatever consequences came from serving the Lord. So Daniel could have been secretive about his prayer life, but he wasn't. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have justified bowing down to the statue. He could have said, you know, we're here, and there's this big statue, and everybody has to bow down. And, you know, we can bow down and pray to our God, and nobody has to know. They could have made all kinds of different excuses or rationalized all kinds of things to do at that moment, but at that moment, they stood. They knew the moment was to stand. They were respectful even in the midst of that. They were respectful of the authority that was over them and even of the judgment that was declared over them and at the same time obedient to God. I want you to notice, Daniel didn't fight against being thrown in the lion's den. He didn't. Daniel didn't fight with this eunuch. He said, why don't you just test us for 10 days? Let us obey our God by eating these foods and test us for 10 days. And if God doesn't come through, you have your way, right? And then you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace, they said, Lord, uh, King, they, they respect them of king, as king. King, we want you to know that we will not bow down to you, even if our life is taken from us. Oh, king, we will not do so. So they recognize him as king, and they accept the judgment. They accept it. They don't fight against it, but they stand resolved to do the will of God. In today's day, God is calling for a people who obey God and are respectful of authority. In today's day, God's looking for a church who's not going to be ashamed of who he is and are okay with the consequences that may come because we declare the name of Jesus Christ. In today's day, God is looking for a people who count the cost, who count the cost, the Bible says, if you're going to come after me, pick up your cross and die and follow me. And so again, we, we turn to Scripture and we see that how do we get to that place where we're so resolved, where we're willing to obey God, no matter what the consequences may be. It begins with a life of prayer and fasting. It begins with a life with right here, right now, giving to God what we can give to him so that when the hour comes when we're called to attention, when we're called to honor God, when we're called to stand before kings and those people of influence, we can take a stand and not be ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. God strengthens the resolve of those 
who are in prayer and fasting. Number two, when we look at the book of Daniel, we see this. God gives favor to those who seek him in prayer and fasting. The Bible tells us there in those verses that the boys from Judah were shown favor and compassion. Okay? Now here you got a servant of a secular king who does not know the God of Judah, does not know the God of Israel. But for some reason, this one, who is utterly disconnected from these boys, has favor and compassion for them. That's the work of God. That's the work of God. I believe that when we live our lives seeking the Lord, honoring God in prayer and in fasting, that God gives us favor, that God shows us compassion out of places that we least expect it. Amen. Out of places that we least expect I've experienced it in my life. Right? I remember in college, three semesters in, in school, hadn't paid for one semester, $15,000 at that point. Hadn't paid a nickel of that deal. Right? And every semester I go to the registration office and I said, you know, my financial aid's going to come through. We could just hold on. Okay, we'll let you test this time, but you know, we got to get this in in the next semester. <laughs> okay, God, I'm going by faith. My financial aid is kicking in. Just wait. Okay, we're going to let you test this time. The third semester, she said, we're not going to let you test this time if we don't get anything in. And on the day, all of my financial came in, not only for those three semesters, but for the rest of my education. Right? I remember working as a probation officer in Lucas County Juvenile Court, and there I was, and I was just talking to my friends, and at that time, I was still going through the process of, 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 of citizenship. As you know, I'm from the Dominican Republic, and um, um, by birth, and so, but, you know, I was going through the process of citizenship, and that can be a very hard thing for someone, um, how could I say this and be reverent? It can be very difficult as a non-citizen to get people to acknowledge you, right, throughout the process. And I have been through a whole process of trying to call people and see why, why, why am I being stalled here? I got all the paperwork, I've paid everything, you know, I've been living here, I've been a permanent resident, why is this being stalled? And, and nothing was happening. Finally, I said, I'm just going to give it to the Lord. And a mission trip was coming up. I wanted to go to Nicaragua with Pastor Keith and uh, minister there, but I couldn't go out of the country because I couldn't renew my passport, right? I said, Lord, I have to give this into your hand. And anyways, uh, before, before that, I remember as a probation officer, I was just talking to my friend Tom, and he was like, man, you got to vote because things got to change in our country. Are you going to vote? And I said, you know, quite honestly, I, I'm, at this point, I wish I could. I love to. I love this country. I love, I love to be able to, but I, but I really can't. I'm not at a place where I can do that. I'm not a citizen. So why aren't you a citizen? I don't know. I've done everything that I can, and I'm just waiting for uh, everything to work out. Before you know, he says, okay, that's going to stop today. He says, you're going to reach out to Marcy Kaptur right now, write a letter, and we're going to get this to happen. I'm like, Marcy Kaptur? I don't even know Marcy. Why would Marcy Kaptur care for me? And I said, okay. So I'm just writing a letter, and I literally I wrote a letter. I've been serving this country. I've been a part of this country uh, for quite a long time. I serve as a probation officer. It's an honor and a privilege to be a part of this country. I just don't know why I'm being held up. I've paid everything that I've paid within 30 days. Everything was taken care of for me to move forward. You know, within 30 days. It's, you know, we clap, but we're talking about a, a decade process that I was waiting for no reason. And within 30 days, God shows favor. 
right on time for me to be able to leave a country to be able to be a translator for a mission trip that needed to take place. God shows favor and compassion when it comes to doing his will. That's just the way that God operates. There's not a time that I've given that God's not favored me and showed me compassion. There's not a time where, you know, where I can say, uh, you know, God's called me to do something that he didn't provide favor and compassion and mercy from weird, from strange places and from people that I didn't expect it. The truth of the matter is this, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I bear witness to you that when I set my mind to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I have lacked nothing. Not only have I not lacked anything, I had pressed down, shaken together, running over more than I ever expected to have. Stuff that I just, I couldn't even imagine. I couldn't even imagine. I stand here before you, and you, uh, you, you just don't know the kid I was. I was 15 years old, incapable of speaking Spanish correctly and English. Struggling, failing school, failing everything, right? Uh, uh, you know, just really, I, I can't even describe to you how hopeless my future was to me. And Jesus redeemed me. This is what I'm doing more than redeem you. I've called you. I, and I have a purpose for your life. You seek the guy. I couldn't have dreamed of or imagined that I'd be at the place that I am today. All the favor that we need will be available to us as we walk in his will. And you look at it in the Bible, Israel and Rahab. All the favor that they needed was one woman who feared God, Rahab. And she protected the spies. The widow and the oil and the handful of flour. Elijah the prophet went to that widow and said to the widow, give me something to eat. She said, I only have a handful of flour and oil to eat and die. He says, but if you prepare me something, you will have until this famine is over. And so it was, the favor of God. Egypt releasing Israel. When Israel was held captive and it was time for them to go, what did the Egyptians do? Here, take our resources, take our wealth. When it comes to the will of God, I believe that all the favor that we need will be available to us as we walk in his will. Something else that we need to get from the scripture uh, about prayer and fasting. God gives wisdom and revelation to those who seek him in prayer and fasting. God gives wisdom and revelation to those who seek him in prayer and fasting. Let's just look at the different things in Daniel that we see about wisdom and revelation. Number one, God revealed dreams and the interpretation of the dream to Daniel. Number two, God revealed his word for three kings and gave them the wisdom to minister to them. God revealed the nature of his spiritual warfare to Daniel. And God revealed himself to Daniel. And God revealed end time prophecies to Daniel. So here you got this young man who resolved himself to serve the Lord, to live a life of prayer and fasting before God. And we have incredible things that take place that they wouldn't have taken place unless God would have done a work, right? Daniel's ministry, Daniel's influence would have been completely over if not for the revelation of God. What does God do? Give Daniel the dream that the king is dreaming and the interpretation of the dream that he's dreaming. God gives Daniel the interpretation of the judgment that's written on the wall. 
God gives, uh, God gives Daniel a revelation of himself. If you start looking there at Daniel, um, I believe at chapter 10, God actually, Jesus Christ is revealed to Daniel before he's even come to the, in the flesh. And we know that because of the way that Daniel described him. He says, and I looked at him, and behold, his eyes were like lightning, and his voice were like many waters, and his, he had a, a, a golden sash about him, right? And then you go to Revelations chapter 1, and you find there that John describes the one that he sees. He says, he said, I am the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is to come. And when I looked at him, his eyes were like fire, and his voice like many waters had a golden sash about him. So it's an incredible reality that Daniel got a privilege of re- the revelation of Jesus even before he came to earth. That's an incredible deal. And then God revealed to Daniel prophecy stuff that he passed down from generation to generation, things that were written down that we're still waiting to see happen. Someone would make a case. Someone would make a case, and I agree. This is, you know, this is something that I agree with. You don't have to take it. You don't have to believe it, but I see a case for it, that when the Magi's from the east went to see Jesus and worship him, they came from the area of Babylon. And why would they be so worried about the king of the Jews? Why would they be waiting for a deliverer? Many have made the case that they were direct, direct descendants of the line of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that were awaiting the time, and we're looking for signs for when the Messiah would come. Just incredible stuff. God wants to give you wisdom and revelation. This, this stuff may not excite everyone here, but it's going to excite some people. But if you're here today and you're saying, I want God to do great things in me for his kingdom, then, then I want you to understand this. There's the language of the Spirit that God wants to train you in. I'm a, there's a language of the Spirit that God wants to train you in. What, what do I mean by that? Daniel knew there was a conviction that he had the moment that he stepped into Babylon that he needed not to defile himself with the things of the Lord, the world. In the same way, God is speaking to you through his Spirit, through his language, and it is a language of conviction. God speaks through conviction, and he puts a conviction in your heart and in your mind and in your spirit, and he waits for you to respond to that conviction. And then when you respond to that conviction, you're basically saying, okay, Lord, I'm listening. I'm attentive. And then the Lord begins to open up. And so, because the response to the conviction brings about favor, brings about blessing, and brings about greater revelation. That's just the way. I want you to hear it. God is going to speak to you through a language that he's designed specifically for you. And what he will speak to you will communicate the same thing, conviction to do his will. He may speak to you through a dream. He may speak to you through a friend. He's going to speak to you through a song that you hear. He's going to speak to you at your workplace. And all that he's saying, it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit calling you to see how you would respond. The moment that you say, I hear you speaking to me, I'm learning this spiritual language. And the moment that we respond, then God says, let's begin to open up a little more. Let's open up some more. Let's open up some more. You see, there's this reality. The moment that you got saved and you gave your life to Jesus, God's given you incredible favor, incredible blessing, and incredible mercy. But you have to, you're called to grow in the favor of God. 
and I believe this, and I'll say it, and that's this, you have all the favor of God that you want. Right now, you have all the favor of God that you want. I believe that with all my heart, that if you make up your mind to seek God's favor, God's going to favor you and give you the favor that you need for life. I said that, I, I think it was Titus had a question for me. We, I said, we have all of God that we want. I believe that strongly. Because God says, seek me and you will find me. Knock and I'll answer. Ask and you'll receive. So then what we have to ask ourselves here is how are we responding to the spiritual language, to this, to this work of the Holy Spirit calling us to respond to his conviction? God revealed the nature. Not only did God reveal uh, uh, wisdom, but God revealed the nature of the spiritual warfare. There's a time where Daniel's fasting and praying for 21 days, right, where we get it from. And an angel of the Lord tells Daniel, tells Daniel, we heard you from the first, the Lord heard you from the first day that you began to seek him, but there was a spiritual warfare that was taking place in the heavenlies. God, you and I need to be awakened to the reality that you're fighting against demons. You're fighting against demonic authorities that are trying to keep you from God's will for your life. It's time to fight Right? It's time to know our opponent. It's just time to know our opponent. And some of us are getting defeated and we're getting beat up because we're choosing not to know our opponent. Like, well, I'm just saved by grace. I just love the Lord. I'm just going to make it one day. And the Lord's saying, you better pick up your fight. You got to get in the ring and know who it is that's squaring up in front of you. You got to know if you're dealing with a southpaw or somebody who boxes orthodox. You got to know what he's bringing. You got to know. Sorry, I took it there. But you really have to absolutely know what you're fighting against. And you got to know that. Can I talk to parents here? Your kids are called by God and they have a different calling. And the enemy has a different attack for each and every one of them. And we got to know what God is doing. And we got to come against what the enemy is doing. Is this scriptural? Absolutely. Joshua said to the people of God, God gave you that land. Why aren't you fighting and taking the land that God's given you? Well, if God gave me that land, why do I have to fight for it? Because that's the way the kingdom works. Go take it. God's given you peace. Go fight for it. God's declared that he's going to prosper you according to his will. Go get your finances in order in the name of Jesus Christ. He's given it to you. God's declared that you will see his healing. Amen. Go, go pray for it. Believe it. If you believe that God is a God who saves and there are people in your family who need to be saved, go, right? Pray, stand in the gap. Believe that God can do a mighty work. Church, we got to fight. We got to pick up our fight. God wants to give you revelation. God wants to use you to minister to the influencers around you. I want you to notice all the revelation that God gave Daniel was for what? To influence the influencers. If you're the church, God's called you to influence the influencers. Those that surround you. God is calling you to use your influence to influence those who are influencing our world. God wants to give you insight into the spiritual warfare that we're in. God wants you to know him. God wants to use you to prepare the generations after you. This is the truth of the kingdom. I don't know that this is on the PowerPoint, but i got to share this with you. When we live our lives of prayer and fasting, when we commit to pray and fast, God works miracles in our lives. When you look at the account of the book of Daniel, the miracle of the dream and interpretation revealed, 
right? The miracle of the strength of the boys from Judah, right? I mean, what an incredible miracle to be thrown into a fiery furnace and to remain. And not only you three, but there's somebody else with you who appears like the Son of God. I'm thinking that's awesome, right? What an awesome story. The miracle of the lion's den, being thrown in the lion's den, and those lions being shut. You know, we often got the story, you know, I don't know, you've seen different images of, um, of, you know, lions just being dormant or asleep. And, you know, I've seen images of even Daniel just petting a lion. I'm thinking those suckers were hungry, right? What if they were hungry and the shield of the Lord was in that place keeping Daniel all night long? Because the Bible says that when those who asked for Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den, before they reached reach the pit, that they were torn to pieces by the lion. Right? Let me just say this. Sometimes in life, we're going to be thrown in the lion's den. And we shouldn't be expecting to be petting lions. But we should expect the shield of the Lord. The storm may still be hellacious around you. But the shield of the Lord is stronger than any storm you'll go through in this life. Amen? The miracle of the fiery furnace, the miracle of the writing of the wall, the miracle of the lion's den. Listen, we need the miracles of God. And I unapologetically tell you that as a pastor, as, as, a, uh, as a son, as a son, a part of the kingdom of God, as a father, as a husband, I know that I need the miracle power of God. I need it. But I don't live for the miracles. I don't live for the miracles, but I know that I need God's miraculous power at work in me. I don't seek miracles, but I know that if I seek to honor God, miracles will take place. And I don't pray for miracles for the sake of miracles, but I pray for miracles for the sake of his glory. Right? What did Elijah say? Elijah, as he stood before the false prophets, Lord, so that you will be glorified, consume this offering with fire. He did. For what? For the glory of God. You have to be praying for miracles. Oh, well, I just want to honor God. I just want to know him. No, no. What, you know, that is just a false, that's a false religiosity keeping you from stepping out in faith and asking for God to do big things. Stop it. Stand up in faith and ask God to do great miracles for his glory. Or do you not believe that God wants his name to be exalted? He does. He does. And we have to be able we have to have the faith to stand up and ask for big things. I really want to challenge you. This is an encouraging thing. Ask for great things to take place. Lastly, we'll close with this. When we pray and fast, doors are open for those who are in prayer and fasting, uh, who live a life of prayer and fasting. I want you to just notice the way that doors were open for, for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and for Daniel. God made them superior. God made them intelligent. God made them 10 times better than the rest of the nations. God gave Daniel authority over 120 advisors, and God gave Daniel access to the king. God did all that because God is the one who opened the doors. Would you stand with me?
I am convinced, I am convinced that you and I are called to be a people who are supernatural. And what does that mean? It means very much this. We cannot do it in our strength. We need the supernatural power of God. And we have to stop depending so much on our strength that we're not seeking God and his power to show up and do mighty things. We need the power of God in our families. We need the power of God in our church. We need the power of God in our schools. We need the power of God to, to work a miracle over our finances. We, we need the power of God to heal. We need the power of God to give his gifts, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the power of God to open the doors that have been closed. We need the power of God to come through, to show us what we cannot even see. And I believe that it's already there for us because God has given us everything that we need. The Bible says, right? Second Peter chapter 1, God's given us everything that we need for life and godliness so that we can partake in the divine nature and escape the corruption of this world. God has given us everything that we need. The question is, are we taking it up? And we take it up through prayer and fasting. And I hope that you're encouraged because I know that you're engaging in that. And I believe that God's going to meet you in your place of need. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Today we're thankful for you, God. That you're a God that can be found because you make yourself available. Your word says, seek me while I may be found. And it is a declaration that this is a season where we can seek you and find your favor. No your goodness. And at the same time, we recognize how desperate we are without you. That we really need to come to the end of our self-sufficiency to depend fully on you. And we understand, oh God. So that's why we're praying and fasting. We're saying to you, oh God, do a miracle in our lives. Do a miracle in our family. Do a miracle in our church. Do a miracle in the community. Break this opioid addiction over our state and human trafficking in the state of Ohio in the name of Jesus Christ. Let the church be united in the name of Jesus. Oh God, let the church of Jesus Christ, let our city reflect, reflect a, a multicultural reality that gives you the glory and the honor and that's love and pure. Do a work that changes us from the inside out. Do a work that changes us. Lord, we're saying we're willing to pray and fast until we see it happen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor? I need to start asking for big things. I need to start asking for great things to take place. I, I know right now that I need to depend on the miraculous power of God. And, and I feel like I've been depending more on my strength than I have on the move of God. And I, I just want to partner uh, with God and say, God, I, do, I need your work in my life. I want to declare my surrender and say, Lord, I need your work in my life. 
Maybe it's for your family. Maybe uh, it's, it's freedom from addiction. Maybe it's over your finances. Maybe it's something in the community that God's called you to pray for. Whatever that may be, God is calling you right now. And you're saying, you know, God's calling me at this moment to ask for great things to take place. And I'm not going to back down. I'm going to respond. If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you're at? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, my God and my Father. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, we raise our hands and we say we're not going to be shy. We're going to stand before you and ask you for great and mighty things. We're going to ask for great and mighty things to take place in our lives, freedom and healing, and over our families, restoration and prosperity according to your will, and over our community, freedom and justice and mercy and unity in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, a, a, a breakthrough of the stronghold of human trafficking and of drug addiction over Oregon and Toledo and surrounding areas in the name of Jesus Christ. And a breakthrough of life, life, life in the name of Jesus right now. Hallelujah. Lord, we raise our hands and we say we're going to ask for big things because we know that you're a big God. We're going to ask for big things because we know that you're a big God. So Lord, instruct us, instruct us, and we will go, we will pray, and we will seek. I believe there are many of us who the Lord, again, is, called, is trying to grow us in hearing his voice. And there's conviction that he's given us, which is his voice, and that maybe today you're saying, you know what, there's things that the Lord has spoken to me, conviction that he's given me that I've not responded to. And I think it's hindered my communication with him. So today I want to repent of, of grieving the Holy Spirit. I want to repent and I want to say, Holy Spirit, speak to me again. Lead me again. I'm available to you. That's you. Would you raise your hand right where you're at? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew the right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Renew the right spirit within me. We turn to you, God, and we pray in repentance for grieving you as you've spoken to us and you've led us and you've deposited convictions today holy spirit we say we want to learn to yield and say yes to you we say god that we want to have the resolve of those who say yes to you and lord we just uh turn to you and say speak again speak again we say yes to your voice again yes to your voice and to your leading again Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, as we're closing today, maybe um, uh, it's a great time. I, I love to pray with you, and we'll have some altar workers up here. There's something that you're asking God for, um, and you need prayer. Would you come up to the altar? Like, to, I don't know what that is. Whatever. Maybe you're seeking for God to heal or to give you some clarity or direction for life. If you need prayer, we'd love to welcome you so that we can pray for you. Amen. God bless you. God keep you, God strengthen your resolve to follow hard after him. 
May his favor and his blessing follow you all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.